Welcome to the Cocktail Lovers podcast. I'm Gary. And I'm Sandra. And together we are the Cocktail Lovers. Indeed, we're a married couple and we've been writing about cocktails for the past 12 years. But this is the place where we're going to be talking about cocktails. We are indeed. And we're going to be talking about products. We're going to be talking about books. And we're going to be talking about the bars that we love and we think you'll love too. We're also going to be checking in with some of the best drinks industry people around the world and asking them to share their top tips with us to help you up your mixing game at home. Indeed, we like to think of ourselves as your new best friends, cocktail-wise. This week, we're heading over to Mexico. Sadly, not literally, but via Marilabone, because we're going to be going to Maxim Schulte's Mescaleria. Oh, beautiful, beautiful bar. Absolutely. We're also going to be dipping into our cocktail cabinet and sampling a brandy. Not just any old brandy, but a brand new sexy brandy called Seven Tails. And we'll be looking at a new way to garnish your cocktails with linden leaf atomizers. And we're going to be giving a big thumbs up to a fabulous new book, by a guy called Cass O, and his book is called Cospec. Yeah, and we're heading over to Barcelona to speak to one of our favourite, favourite drinks people, Simone Caporale, about the art of the aperitivo. Speaking of which, why don't we have a cocktail? Because after all, we are the cocktail lovers. Definitely. So today's drink is a daiquiri, lovely, Ooh. lovely classic daiquiri. The sun is finally out. We're moving into summer and that always says to us daiquiris. So here we go. We're following a recipe that we particularly like from the, the Schofield's new book or newish book, the Schofield's book. And so we're kicking off with some caster sugar. Sometimes I know you can use sugar syrup, but we're, we like this version of caster sugar. And I'm just putting in into my shaker. I'm putting in 30 ml of caster sugar. So that's doubly because I'm making for two, obviously. Well, not obviously. How did you? How would you know that? <laughs> and <laughs> so I've got the 15 ml for one, 30 ml for two of the caster sugar. I'm adding to that some lime juice and in good tradition here's some lime juice that i squeezed earlier so that's measured out perfectly so again double measures one thing to say ml. about um lime juice it, it is don't just squeeze into into the thing and hope for the best it actually does need to be measured out doesn't it yeah i think that's something we've we've learned the hard way sometimes temptation to sort of just put it in mm. like because you've and seen all, a bartender do it yeah <laughs> and also because limes are very difficult all citrus fruits citrus fruit are they taste different they yield different amounts of, of liquid and stuff and liquid juice <laughs> so it's it's good to just measure them out and sometimes even if you want to get really um, geeky on it to actually taste it and see whether it tastes actually a bit sharper than usual yeah no i think that's a really good point and you know that's why we always measure our lime we measure everything now i think that's mm. what we've learned so i've i've put the sugar the caster sugar and the lime juice into my shaker i've stirred it and it's all the caster sugar is now nicely dissolved so i'm now adding all important rum mm, we love the rum <laughs> we love the rum so we're using white rum of course and in this instance we're using bacardi because we love bacardi 
Yeah, it works really well in these really um, classic rum-based um, drinks like mojitos, daiquiris. That's what Bacardi is all about. It actually is so good for these um, wonderful classic rum-based recipes. Yeah, so I've, I've measured in, again, double measures, 120 ml of Bacardi white rum in my shaker now. Ice, plenty of ice. You can never have too much ice in the household, is our, no. is our top tip. Not at all. All right. And I'm not doing a fancy bartender two-piece shaker. I'm using a nice, reliable three-piece shaker because I know I can manage that. Mm. I've got the top on. Always make sure the top in top is <laughs> on. I've had one or two accidents along the way, and by not double checking that, it has been fun in this house. I know there's been some dry cleaning bills sorting that out. Right here we go. Yay! I love the sound of the shake. It is the best sound in the entire. So as a rule of thumb, we normally go for about 15 seconds. I've not been counting. And our other rule of thumb, our personal one, is when it's too cold to hold, put it down. And that's probably enough. And my hands are really freezing yeah. from holding that. We love that. Too cold to hold. Too cold to hold. Hashtag. Hashtag too cold to hold. We thought of that. Right. <laughs> so uh, I've shaken that up. The shaker itself is misted beautifully, which also tells me it's nice and cold. I've got a couple of coupe or is it coupette? I never know. Coupe or coupette glass. Coupe glasses. They've been chilling with some ice, which I'm now discarding. And here comes oops, get the top off. And I'm now pouring this out. And one thing, while Gary is pouring it out, just to say that if you don't have a shaker, you can use something like a kilner jar or a jam jar, anything that actually you can close up and shake. But do check first that the, the lid is on tightly because, as we've said, we've had a few little mishaps <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> right, I'm just passing that over. Thank you. Oh, all right. So let's go in and see what. Let's cheers of. first, mate. Cheers. Mmm, smells all right. Yum. Oh, yes. Summer <laughs> has arrived. It really has. Summer in a glass, we mm -hmm. like to say. <laughs> Enough <laughs> of that, young man. <laughs> Okay, so this is one of our other favourite things that we love doing on this podcast. I think they're all our favourite things, actually. They are, <laughs> but we love it when we're tasting. Yes. So this is a bit where we delve into our cocktail cabinet. Today I am picking out a brandy. It's called Seven Tails. It's new. Well, new-ish. It's been around for maybe a year, a couple of years. And it's created by a bartender bar owner Joel Fraser, very oh, okay. respected in yeah. the drinks industry. And he's teamed up with um, a drinks guru called Arno de Tabac. And they've created this fantastic new brandy that's made specially for mixing. So immediately you see the bottle. It's nothing like your old fusty, old dusty brandies you may think of. This is very sleek, very elegant. Um, beautiful black and copper packaging. And for anybody who loves labels like we do, 
It's got this lovely raised um, typeface as well. So you know that you're in for something special. Yeah, it looks special. sophisticated, but at the same time, it's kind of got a little bit of a kind of funky, cool Yeah, edge there's to something it. really yeah. very, very cool. And it's all about alchemy as well. So what they've done with this brandy is not your average brandy. It's made from a blend of Armagnac, Cognac and French brandy. And those are anything from three to 30 year old. So they're very quality, quality products here. But uh, although it's made from things like those, you know, like cognacs and armiacs, generically, we have to call it brandy. Definitely right? have to call yeah. it a brandy. It's okay. not a cognac. It's, it's, it's a blend and um, anything that is not produced in the region of cognac has to be called um, brandy. So these are all mixed together and purposely created as we said to make cocktails with so it's not it's not really a sipping brandy although you can do that but it's very much made for mixing so enough talking shall we have a little taste let's, uh, let's get in there oh that's a good little pop that one <laughs> you love the um yeah there's cork. something about the the cork coming out the bottle that always makes me excited there you go <laughs> you have a go right. beautiful Ooh, color yeah it's, um, I'd say, dark amber, very rich, beautifully, um, beautiful on the nose. Yeah, it's very, it's not too in your face on the nose. Mm. It's sort of quite gentle. That's not to say there's not a lot going mm. on, but it's, it doesn't make you recoil. No, there's a lot going on, in fact. And for me, even though we're not into, we're not geeks and we don't do these tasting notes, most of the time I can't even taste the thing. I just know whether something tastes good to me. But here, if I have to be pushed on, on saying what I get, I actually get lots of fig, actually. Oh, yeah. Some dried fruit, bit of chocolate, um, obviously that little creaminess of vanilla. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. fig a lot for me. And I'm, I get a little bit, again, not like you, I don't want to geek out on this because it's not our style, but I do get that a little hint of coffee, mm. which I find really appealing, mm. right, right at the end, a little bit of coffee. Lovely. Yeah, I think there's a lot here for um, playing around with, so mixing yeah. and getting some really beautiful cocktails. So once again, that's called Seven Tales XO available from quite a number of places it's it's in the uk europe and singapore available at the moment but for stockist details you go to the seven tales website but you can also find out details as you can with all of the bottles and everything that we have a sample here you can get the details on our instagram and on our website perfect so my choice this week is something called cocktail elements so mm, what's that ah i'm glad you asked it's not actually something we're going to drink as such it's something a little bit different a bit left field to give it its full title it's actually linden leaf cocktail elements and what this is it's a small bottle uh 20 mil and it's an atomizer a little spray so it looks almost like a little perfume bottle and the idea is that these, we've got three here. Each of them is a citrus that you can use as a spray, as a spritz garnish over your cocktail. So we've got lime, lemon, and orange. Uh, there are several others in the range. Now, I'm going to hold my hands up and say I was a little bit skeptical about mm. this because um, you know, normally you just think in terms of 
things like fruit uh, and garnishes, you just think, yeah, fresh has got to be yeah, the way fair. to go. Absolutely. So, yeah, I was a little bit sceptical. But I went in with an open mind, and I think they actually do work. Um, just to give you a little bit of background, they're actually created by three scientists. Oh, so the science is there, but that isn't to say they're chemical. They are natural. And part of the thinking is that they harvest the fruits that go into them at the, the peak time in the year. Oh, so that right. gives you consistency. And interestingly, Max Venin of Three Sheets mm. has been a little bit involved uh, working with this. And that's the thing that he's very much picked up on is that it gives them consistency, certainly for him in the bar. But in terms of home usage, I think they work. I'm not going to say they're as good as uh, natural fruit. We tried the lemon over a martini, and it doesn't quite have the impact of that. You know, when you when you spritz fresh citrus, it's wonderful. But having said that, let's just spritz a little here. So, so what's the idea? So it's supposed to emulate the the essence of the fruit on your drink is Absolutely. it a, right yeah. okay so in the same way that you would peel a little bit of mm. lemon and and sort of express the the oils over your drink mm. um, instead of doing that you literally just spritz this across the top of your drink that's good actually i i do think we got the lemon it is very lemony but not in that you know usually you get that really um yeah, chemical, like, I suppose. Yeah, this is yeah. not, it's not like that. And I've just looked and it says they're using organic yes. lemons, which is really good. So, yeah, it. it's, so they, I think they definitely work. And I think there's a number of the reasons you might try this. It's a good thing to have in your armory, if you like, mm. a, a ne next to fresh fruit. So, you know, it's, it's always there if you you suddenly want a certain kind of drink and you, you haven't got the, the fruit, it, it's standing by. In terms of amount of usage, I haven't sat down and worked out exactly how it would stack up against real lemons in terms of costs. But they do say that you should get approximately eight drinks, you know, I guess based on one spray from each bottle, which sounds pretty eight good. Eight drinks from one eight, Sorry, 80 drinks. I was going to say. 80 Let's just, just be clear that 80 drinks yeah. per bottle. Also, it's very, it's sustainable too, I would imagine. Yes, so, yes. Um, so that's great. So, so you're not wasting a lot of lemons. I mean, not that you waste lemons, but you might not use the, the certain thing. elements of it. So, yeah. And yeah. I think we're more and more conscious of things like that you know in bars and at home we're very conscious of making mm. sure that we use everything so yeah i think these these are good you can get a little pack which actually includes all three of these the lemon the lime and the orange each 20 mil directly from the uh, linden leaf website and it's 27 pounds okay do you think that's good value yeah i think so as i say i haven't sat down and tried to do the maths on how this works out but I think, yeah, if you're getting 80 drinks from a bottle, um, mm. 80 spritzes from a bottle, that sounds like it could be pretty good. I, I suppose that also it would be one of those things to work out whether it's as fresh from the top of the bottle to the bottom. Yes, yes. Um, and I'm sure because of the chemical aspect in it, it probably is. But, you know, that's uh, that's open to debate. But I think it's a really good idea and also... As we said, it does smell great, and the bottles are cute. They're they're nice little um, sort of perfume looking bottles. So yeah, yeah, tick. I think give them give them a go. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. And now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts. 
My name is Ago Perrone, director of mixology at the Connaught in London. My top hack for uh, mixing cocktail at home is uh, if you don't have a mixing glass, uh, use a beautiful jug so you can uh, fill it up with more and more martini for a fantastic party at home. from the cocktail lovers see our digital and print magazine and make sure that you subscribe you can find out all about it on our website thecocktaillovers.com and also you'll find out where to subscribe for our magazine which is available four times a year in digital and print okay this is the part of the show where we talk about some of the lovely bars we've been visiting recently you know whether they're old favorites new potential favourites, pop-ups, whatever. But they're the places that Sandra and I have been going. Now, this is somewhere we... It feels like we went recently, but it was mm. actually... It was a couple it was of months... The, just the week before the last lockdown. Yeah, so we squeezed it in just before lockdown. So it does actually still feel new, not only to us, but probably to them as they re- yeah. just reopened. Anyway, the bar in question is called Mescalaria at Col, And it's a agave spirits centered bar well yes and no i mean the thing is it's very much um it celebrates mexico yes but um agave spirits are there but it's not just about it's not exclusively that. yeah yeah exactly so some people may feel a little bit intimidated thinking they don't like tequila or they don't like mezcal but there's no reason to feel that because there's something here for everybody absolutely and the, the thing I think that struck, struck me first was once upon a time, I think when you had bars that were uh, part of a restaurant, it was all about the restaurant mm. and the bar was very much like an afterthought, like we need a bar, let's have a bar. But this is very much a par- partnership of equals, which I think is great. And Maxim Schulter, who's heading up the bar, he's worked very, very closely with the the restaurant and that really shows in the offering and the respect for both teams yeah so um yeah so the t- the restaurant works with the, the bar and the bar works with the restaurant and the the flavors shine through throughout the drinks menu so what works well here is that down the center it's a very simple looking menu so you have three columns almost and uh, in the center gives you the flavor profile of the drinks that you're about to encounter and along each side You'll find on one side there's the agave-based spirit section and on the other side will be what we might call traditional spirits. So it's that interpretation of the drink. So, for example, I went for the gimlet, which has um, a flavour profile of rose, hip and apple. And in the agave spirits side of that, you've got an Mexican rum with um, cider brandy, rose, hip, cordial and carbonated drink and on the traditional side there's Plymouth gin rosehip cordial apple brandy scent so the flavor profiles are always um rosehip and apple and you went for a martinez didn't you yeah that, that, martinez martinez right? yeah, yeah. And it's, again it, this is from the sort of uh, agave side so this is a martinez but it's sort of twisted with uh, blanco tequila and uh, vermouth and uh, it's got some pine distillate and it was absolutely 
delicious mm. it's a really tasty drink and the great thing i think about it was even if you going back to what we said about tequila even if you don't think you like tequila i think i would really really recommend you to try this drink mm, it was very summery wasn't it the the flavor profile of that one was um cucumber and pine yes and um, then opposite that is a a highball or whiskey highball yeah so very clever and as as we said it the, the menu itself looks very simple it's very it's just presented on a sheet of paper but there's so much thought that has gone into into the drinks and the execution of the flavors i think don't yeah, you yeah and and i think as i said at the beginning about the the respect between the bar and the restaurant i think it's certainly a bar destination in its own right you could go there and spend the whole evening there because you can also have some great food in mm. the bar. Oh God, that food! Which was we delicious. did. Um, yeah. it's, it's you know it's like bar food is from heaven. You know, yeah. yeah. They're small, nice little bite-sized portions, but so so packed with flavour, which was great. And um, what about the the feel of the room? What did you think of that? Well, I liked it because you you enter it via a sort of you descend into a sort of basement from mm. the from the main entrance of the the restaurant, and and it's very it's quite small, it's very intimate, but it, I think they've struck the right note of it. Feels smart, but not wow! I've got to dress up smart. You can no. be super super laid back, and the vibe is super super yeah, laid back. Yeah, it's really comfortable. It's um, it feels like Mexico, stripped back, beautiful, relaxing. Just feel like sitting back with friends and enjoying great drinks so there's a there's as we say a hint of mexico about it but it's very much london as well and yeah it's Smart. a really yeah, yeah. very West, nice West london. nice yeah. vibe so yeah uh, yeah yeah check it out So now we come to the bit where we delve into the library. Oh, I've got huge this huge library. Oh, very huge library. <laughs> but there's I'm, no need to show off now. No, I'm not it? showing off. But I just love our library. Well, it's it's <laughs> growing, and you know, it's one of those things that we 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 said and we keep saying that there's so many great cocktail books out yeah. there now. And we're trying to sift through them so you don't have to buy all of them. We'll just recommend some of the ones that we think are great to have yeah, in your collection. Absolutely. Now, the one that I've got today is a little bit of eye candy. It's called Cospex, and it's by a former bartender called Cass O. It's about recipes and histories of classic cocktails. Now, this book is incredible. It's actually, I would say for cocktail geeks, but also for beginners and, yeah. and also historians as well. Katz has put so much work and detail into this book. And it's something, it's a real labor of love. He's Absolutely. actually self-published this. Wow. And if you see this thing, it's it's heavy, it's beautiful, it's black and gold, it's 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 a design delight, actually. Um, it, I mean, when I looked through it, it looks like something that, he must have just he must have spent dedicated years doing this it's so long yeah so. yeah yeah so i'll go through it it's um it's kind of a to z of of cocktails and it includes recipes for everything from the aperol spritz through to the queen's park swizzle and everything has its own chapter it's got the history of it not too history so you get um worn down by it but just enough facts that it gives you a background into the drink. What he's done, he's sort of examined them and, and gone through all of these recipes and 
finally given what he considers the definitive version of it. And you've got some beautiful, beautiful recipes. You've got fantastic illustrations. There's history. There's it. It is just a thing of delight. He's and dug out some lovely bits of archive material as well. Dug out sort of old recipes, yeah. old ph- photography, and you can just tell that he. He's so passionate about yeah. his craft. And yeah. I just think that if you don't want this in your in your cocktail library, then buy it for somebody else because it definitely needs to be seen. And I think that anybody will get something out of it. Whether you make the cocktails or not, just reading about them just brings the whole thing to life. And it is incredible. As I said, it's, it's self-published and hopefully he does get um, somebody that will pick up on it as well to to get it out there further but we will give you details of where you can find it because it is available to buy it deserves a wider audience it really does so um yeah it's online at cospecs.com and we highly recommend that you add it to your collection absolutely In every episode of the Cocktail Lovers podcast, it's our pleasure and honour to talk with some of the leading figures in the world of drinks and get their insight into better home drinking. So allow us to introduce you to one of the greatest hosts, entertainers and innovative bartenders in the business, Mr. Simone Caparoli. Globally renowned for his distinctive style, playful presentations and exceptional approach to hospitality, Simone has achieved the highest accolades in the drinks industry, including being voted international bartender and winning the world's best bar for four consecutive years during his time at the Artesian at the Langham in London. Since then, he's partnered with Jamie Oliver to launch the Drinks Tube channel, partnered with numerous brands to deliver masterclasses, seminars and trainings, worked on consultancy projects and set up bars all around the world as well as launching a couple of incredible drinks, including Miu Yu Liqueurs and the non-alcoholic spirit Zio. Wow, we could talk all day to Simone about his adventures in the world of drinks, but as an Italian opening a bar in Barcelona with the equally acclaimed Mark Alvarez, head of bars at Albert Adria, we wanted to get his insights into the art of aperitivo. So, Simone... Welcome to the Cocktail Lovers podcast. We're delighted to have you on board. Whereabouts in the world are you today? Uh, Gary, Sandra, it's an honor again to be being with you, even though this time is digital. Right now, I'm in Barcelona in my flat, and it's a beautiful hot day. It's, it's approximately 28 degrees. Wow. And I think I'm the only one in the flat because er- anyone is in the beach. Everyone is on the beach right now. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll try not to keep you too long. No, 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 no. You can get back out on the beach. I will go for a vermouth after for an aperitif. So, oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So, as we said, today we're talking all things aperitivo. Can you tell us what the word means and a little about its origins? Aperitivo has a beautiful uh, uh, meaning. It comes from the ancient Latin words, aperire. And aperire means to prepare. Prepare it for what's, for what's next. So even though today aperitivo, we relate it to a, a drinking habit or a drinking social moment, we do aperitivo is getting ready for something, you know? So event, most likely uh, or possibly 
aperitivo was a, na a name for something else a few hundred years ago, preparing for going to work, perhaps. But preparing to go for dinner is much better. Aperitivo consists in to prepare yourself, prepare your stomach, prepare your feeling for a meal, and consists into having a small drink of something not too strong with alcohol and possibly slightly bitter. And bitter is the bitterness because it enhances the appetite. When you taste uh, something bitter, when you, when you perceive something bitter in your palate, automatically your brain receives a message that sends another message to the, the digestive part of your, your body and start to produce gastric juices. So if you're an empty stomach, you will feel like to go for a meal. But this is beautiful as well. If you've just had a meal, you have a full stomach, and you eat or drink something bitter, message to the brain, message to the stomach, and that's when the digestion starts. So bitterness is very important for us. Fantastic. What are your first memories of Aperitivo growing up in Italy? Well, uh, kids, at least in Italy, we grow up with Aperitivo. Doesn't mean that we are drinking uh, booze, don't get me wrong. But the aperitivo is when your parents go to the bar, to the cafe, uh, around 11 o'clock before lunchtime, before noon, or around 6.30, 7 o'clock before dinner. They take you there. They might have a spritz, they might have a, a vermouth or campari, whatever it is. And you start to uh, get closer to the flavor, this flavor because for many years in Italy, they've been serving, the, they still do, non-alcoholic aperitivos. One of my favorite ones, which is also perhaps the first one I had when I was three, four years old, was the Crodino. The Crodino comes in the beautiful small bottle. The bottle is, uh, I believe, 120 milliliters, so it's very small, orangey golden color. And it tastes of, a, tastes of like a spritz without alcohol, pretty much. Orangey, bitter, woody, and it's spectacular. Especially when you have it with the patatine. Patatine are the crisps, salted crisps. We call it patatine, small potatoes. That's how we call them in Italy. So 90% of, of people in Italy experience the first encounter of aperitivo from the childhood as a social moment. It's all very social in Italy. It's not about going out and getting drunk. It is about being social, being with the family. Absolutely. And as you say, preparing for dinner. Exactly. So you, you prepare your appetite for dinner. And also because um, by, by habit or by culture, we very rarely drink in empty stomach, unless when you go for a club a late night. No? So even during the aperitivo, uh, knowing that you will go for dinner or you go for a meal after, they still serve you small canapes to go along with your, your small drinks. I mentioned before the small crisp or nuts or peanuts, but also a smaller canapé like tramezzini, this small triangular sandwich, very small. You can eat them in two bites, for example, because we know that, of course, drinking with empty stomach, regardless how light the drink is, is not good for you. Because that, that's the thing that, that struck us about it. Is it kind of feels like it slows everything down in a really nice way, and there's almost a sense of a bit of a ritual. Yes, absolutely. He, he slows everything down and also he extends the experience because you feel, you feel good for longer mm? or you don't feel bad at all. You don't feel tipsy at all, which is very important. And one funny thing is that in the Italian vocabulary, it doesn't exist the, the terms, the words for the equivalent of hangover. Mm. Oh, that's 
really so I mean, don't get me wrong. Eh? We do hangover. <laughs> we do hangover. But uh, socially speaking, there are no many um, cultural episodes of drinking without food. See, we need to learn from that, so I think. We know, just come for holidays and little by little, little by, use it as an excuse to come for holidays. Yeah, we can't wait. So now with the advent of the Aperol Spritz, we're starting to get a little bit more into the idea of, of our aperitivo. What yes. do you think? How do you think it has translated in other parts of the world? Well, um, the way it was sort of a two, uh, win-win situation because for one way it was always related to this uh, small Italian cafe or bar or little food, little aperitivo food, for example. And on the other side, talking about a brand like this, they invest millions in marketing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's something to consider as well. In some markets where it became very popular, but if you compare the money spent for advertising and PR compared to the sales of the bottle, it's something crazy. Just a, a big company could, could do that, you know. But, you know, this is important to create awareness, to, to create a, a new segment of the market, to consider also that a bitter flavor, culturally speaking, is not received in the same way in the, in, in, in the, old, in the entire places in the world, you know. Uh, in some countries, for example, in Asia or Southeast Asia, the bitter flavor is not seen as something wow in a drink, mm. unless you stay around the beer category, which is very subtle. So there was a long work to do behind that. But for example, in Italy, nowadays, it's even more popular than before, the spritz, even though it's a very uh, old drink that comes from Venice. Oh, okay. Yes. There's a long story also behind the name because spritz come from spritzer, which consists into adding something sparkling into the wine. And this comes from the Austrian time when uh, Austrian occupied the north west part of Italy. We're talking about a few centuries back. Uh, well, under, sorry, 150 years ago, something like that. But let's say 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if you were serving a spritz in your bar in Italy, you were not cool at all. Oh. Absolutely. So the uh, places that were trying to propose a sort of like a sophistication or internationality into the drink, they were refusing to serve spritz. Because back then, the spritz was, was that kind of a very simple, very affordable drinks that you would find in a place called Osteria. And Osteria are those very low-profile, very humble bars, generally all, all wooden, still managed by a very old-school person. Then you can get a wine, you can get a beer, and the spritz and a coffee, and that's it. Don't ask for nothing else. And in Venice, these places are called Baccaro. Uh, and uh, and I'm sure that if you went to Venice, any person went to Venice, 99% they, they bump into these places. Very small bar, most likely 20 square meter, a wooden counter, a small glass window where they display all these small, beautiful canapés, and they serve white wine, red wine, prosecco, spritz, and eventually they may have a couple of soft drinks for kids. So very simple place. As I said, 10, 15 years ago, it was nothing sophisticated or cool but today it, be, it became a very important um, sort of a concept bar to bring in internationally and do people in italy now drink spritzes are they quite happy about that absolutely absolutely again because of the for the over the last 
three generation of consumer and generally you get a, 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 a new consumer generation occur every five years approximately. So let's say in the last 15 years, uh, he has increased a lot because number one, a company has invested quite importantly into the communication, which is you, you must consider that. Second things, the, the perception of the fact that a consumer prefer lighter drinks or lower ABV drinks. Spritz is one of those, for example, you know. And also in Italy, they serve spritz in, in smaller glasses, so you can have four or five spritz uh, easily without, you know, having your head spinning, let's say, you know. And because of this, it has increased a lot, the, the awareness, the consumption. So low ABV open up many doors. What about then at home? What kind of tips would you give us for drinking at home and sort of it, appreciating the art aperitivo at home? What kind of drinks yeah. should we be making? Well, um, I believe that simple drinks are the best one. And the proof is the spritz that is super simple and, he, and is loved by, by, by millions or billions almost of people. Simplicity is the first ingredient that you need to consider. Having a wine at six o'clock, it's also considered an aperitivo because you're having that wine, socially speaking, to prepare yourself before going for a, for a meal. So the second thing you need alongside a simple drink that eventually we can explore a little bit more in detail is a, a small food, a small canapé. It can be a few olives or some toasted bread with a, a small anchovies and, and a small lump of butter, for example. No? Butter, bread and anchovies, beautiful or a little bit of cheese, perhaps, or some, um, how do you call it with a, you know, how do you call it when you get, you grill the peppers, you keep them under the oil and they last forever. So small artichoke hearts, those things you can buy in the supermarket, you know, mm. with a little, bit, a little bit of vinegar, they're all ready in, in a glass jar. So effortless and super tasty. And that's really aperitivo. A little bite, a little drink, not strong, eventually with your with your loved one with your best friends and that's a pretty you know it's very simple but very beautiful and sociable as well so it sounds like the perfect things that we should be drinking in the summer yes and you said it right it's very beautiful because it's a moment where uh, uh, each of us uh, cut out a little time a little space for yourself so you disconnect you stop thinking about work you go into more the social moment. You have a small drink simply as an excuse uh, to create a conversation with the person next to you. So the the the, is the social time, the social moment, it's the key, is the heart, it's the core of the aperitivo. And, well, and the thing is, the way you've explained that, Simone, is obviously when we think of it, we think of a lovely warm sort of afternoon evening in Italy or Spain. But can we still? Do this on a cold, rainy afternoon in London? Absolutely. I would say even better because if it's sunny, you go on a terrace, for example. But if it's a little bit, you know, um, yeah, rainy, a little bit like, yeah, um, I would say, I, I would say, you know, I start to forget certain, oh, yeah, a miserable weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you need, a, a, even more, you need to cut out this small space for you to comfort yourself, no? to distract yourself from the, this kind of a negative gray color of the sky. And, uh, you know, when it's sunny, everyone is happy. You know, you don't think about it. But when it's a little bit like a, a miserable and rainy, you, know, you, want to, you want to gift yourself, gift yourself with something. 
Yeah, we deserve it. So tell us about your favourite aperitivo. You're doing some work with um, a new Amaro as well. So yes. tell us some of your favourite styles yeah. of drinks. Now, the, the key element of most of the aperitivo is rhubarb. And of course, in UK, rhubarb is very famous for pastry. But uh, you know that the, even in UK, this, the rhubarb, the pink stalks used for pastry, came after the main interest of rhubarb, which was the roots, because the roots of the rhubarb uh, was very important in UK as well, I'm talking about the 18th centuries and 19th centuries, for a medical purpose. Same things in Italy. Obviously, in order to get the rhubarb, you need to cut the, the stalks, the stems, and which eventually was used for pastry. But, so rhubarb was, is, is the most important element for any aperitivo liqueur, because it gives bitterness, because it stimulates your appetite, and because, for the medical purpose in the past, was really mm, reducing stomach pain. So in Italy, rhubarb roots, as much as UK, has always been very important, and also became the main ingredient of the aperitivo liqueurs, of the bitters liqueurs. Uh, I partner up with a family in Toscany called Santoni family, who has been making rhubarb aperitivo, for over 70 years. And together, we decide to create this uh, modern aperitivo, of course, with rhubarb, and with all the element uh, characteristic of Tuscany, in terms of uh, flavors, in terms of a uh, color, in terms of natural ingredient. And this is called Amaro Santoni, which is a beautiful aperitivo, of course. Sounds delicious. We can't wait to, to have a try of that. Yeah. Yes, you, you will soon. Good. And now th- we want to know about your bar. Has it yes. opened? What can we expect? What are you okay. serving? We bought the space in December 2019, one year and a half ago. So we let the Christmas pass because, you know, everyone was busy. And, and definitely, especially here in Spain, during Christmas, nothing happened. So forget about to call um, a contractor, for example. You know? mm-hmm. Anyway, mid-January said, okay, let's get to work on it. We start, we plan, and of course, in March, the pandemic came. And after one year and a half, mm-hmm. so of course, we managed to do all the refurbishment. We were meant to open next week on the 1st of June. But last week, surprise, uh, they told us there was a, a, a small delay into delivering our bar counter. And this uh, small delivery, it's two weeks. Mm. It's not small for me. However... Since we managed to to survive with patience for one year and a half, <laughs> yeah. two extra weeks shouldn't be a big drama. Absolutely yeah. not. And also, all the better for everybody when they finally do get to it. Yeah. So yeah. tell us, what sort of style of drinks will you be serving? What can we expect? Well, uh, the name of the bar is called Sips. Yeah. And uh, Sips will serve... Uh, the majority of things to make everyone feeling comfortable, which means you want to come having a small glass of wine, reading the newspaper, you have it. You want to have a beautiful, crispy, uh, small beer, pour automatically with a robot machine, a robot machine for that, you will have it. You feel to have a, a Negroni or a Spritz or a, or, a, or a Sgropino aperitivo, you will have it. And then, for who would like to come and see us and try something more, let's say, signature drink, we also have 
um, a big option for it. So Sips is a, is a, is a cocktail bar in the format of a pret-a-porter. Everyone will find something for their pleasure. We oh. cannot wait oh. for it. Yeah. And whereabouts is it going to be, Simone? Sips is located in the area of Barcelona, uh, which uh, I'm very attached because the neighborhood is called Eixample. Eixample is a very centric, we can say it's a sort of a, of a, of a Marlebon if you compare it to London, okay? So very central. And there is a tourism, but there is that also kind of tourism that look for a little bit of sophistication. And there's a lot of local living there. And Echample is the neighborhood, to be, um, to be clear, where you can find the, the iconic bar Dry Martini, for example, oh, yeah. where you can find the Solange bar, you can find Tandem bar. So all these kind of uh, iconic places of Barcelona. Perfect. We know that area well. I think it will be incredible. And there's a lot of beautiful restaurants around it. So you can spend a beautiful evening, a uh, very interesting evening in the Echample. Yeah. One last thing, because I didn't ask before. Is there a difference in aperitivo in Italy compared to Barcelona? There is uh, because, um, because of the culture of vermouth. Uh, you know, the vermouth traditionally over the last 150 years, 150 years was in Italy, as in France and in Spain and most likely Portugal, okay? But of course, uh, Italy produced their own vermouth with their own style, same for the France and same for the Spain. So in Spain, when we talk about aperitivo, and they say aperitivo the same way they say in Italy, uh, you do find spritz, absolutely, mainly because of this uh, strong marketing campaign, but 90% you will find beer and vermouth, of course. Uh, I really like Spanish vermouth because it's quite different from, let's say, Italian vermouth. Mm. Uh, when I say quite different, it's more, it's sweeter, it's thicker, very herbal, very bitter as well. But I believe that Spanish vermouth tastes incredible for the aperitivo with a splash of soda, perhaps with a couple of drops of orange bitter or angostura as well. But if you want to mix them in a classic cocktail like a Negroni, for example, or a Manhattan, they don't work, in my opinion. Uh, they have different criteria of uh, herbs, different recipe, different botanicals, and uh, they taste amazing with food. They taste incredible for an aperitivo, but they will lose their complexity if you mix them with a, for, for, for a more... For, for a cocktail, let's say. Right, okay. So I enjoy as much as a Spanish vermouth in some tapas, as much as an Italian vermouth into a Negroni. Thank you Not so much. Said. Which means <laughs> I love them all. Uh, <laughs> it certainly made me want to just go and drink right now. <laughs> Look, when you come to Barcelona, we go around together to try some vermouth bars and cocktail bars, and you see how vermouth can literally make the magic or can also destroy a cocktail. Yeah, oh, definitely. Okay. Look forward uh, to that. Yes. Before we go, can we ask, have you got a website for SIPs? We do have a website, which uh, obviously I forgot. The, the, the next, anyway, is uh, sips.barcelona. Perfect. Okay. www.sips.barcelona. 
Lovely. And what we Look will do is we'll uh, we'll keep our readers and listeners up to date with the the launch date. So do make sure uh, everyone to check out our Instagram, the Cocktail Lovers, and our website, thecocktaillovers.com, and we will keep you up to date with the launch of Simone's fabulous new bar. Yeah, thank we you, Gary. Thank you, Simon. You. So take care. Thank you for your Grazie. time. Thank you so much. Ciao, ciao. Right now, we want to share something very, very, very special with you. Yes, it's a special spirit, and there's also a special competition. And this is how it works. The spirit in question is the limited edition Royal Salute 21-year-old Polo Estancia edition. Now, this is the fourth release from the annual Royal Salute Polo collection, a tribute to Argentina as an iconic polo location. And it really is such a great place for polo. And also, this is an exceptional whiskey which celebrates polo. Yeah, the thing is, we absolutely love Royal Salute whiskies anyway. We've been enjoying them for a number of years, and we've also been fortunate enough to try this latest release. Yeah, we wouldn't let you have something that we didn't think was suitable for your palates. Yes, we've done the research. <laughs> and yes, let me tell you, once again, it really is a truly exceptional whisky. It's the first Scotch whisky from Royal Salute to be fully finished in the finest Malbec wine cask from Argentina. It's also been expertly crafted by the one and only Royal Salute master blender, Mr. Sandy Hislop. And what he's done is taken the whisky's signature house style and introduced it with the flavours of Argentina. So it's a delicious product and it comes in a wonderful piece of packaging featuring the unique royal salute flagon mm. yeah we i know these flagons are really cool actually they're the sort of they're collector's items i'd say yeah we love them and this is on sale now and it's available to buy at 165 pounds but you could also win one yes you could win one of these limited editions, thanks to our friends at Royal Salute, who have very kindly offered to gift a bottle to one of our lucky listeners. It's a simple competition, and all you have to do for details is take a look at our Instagram, The Cocktail Lovers, or visit our website, thecocktaillovers.com. Closing date for entries is 28th of June, 2021, and we'll be announcing the winner on our website. And please make sure that you're over 18 before you enter. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Cocktail Lovers podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please tell your friends and make sure you never miss another episode by simply subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. For more details on the people, places and products mentioned today, head over to our website, thecocktaillovers.com.